Hello and a very warm welcome to the Big Bright Podcast. A subject that we've been discussing a lot recently is creativity and how to keep creative when perhaps you're feeling the strain of not being around others to bounce ideas around in person. We've worked with many creatives over the years at Bright and one who really stands out is Tom Leach, creative director and founder of Evoke, a creative agency based in Brighton. Tom worked closely with us to evolve our existing brand into one that authentically represents our personality and culture. We're welcoming him back today to chat all things creative and discover how he keeps the ideas flowing. Hey, welcome Tom. Nice to have you with us. Thank you. Nice to be here. Yeah, so to start off with, can you please introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about how you came to be director of your own creative agency? Yeah, absolutely. So I worked in London for sort of over 16 years and I feel pretty, pretty proud that I spent a lot of that time in some great design agencies, worked with a lot of super people um, on some lovely projects for businesses of all shapes and sizes, actually, and, and flavours and all over the world as well. So it, it's been really exciting for me and, and you know, I feel quite privileged that I'm doing sort of what you know what I what I love and what I went to university for and all those things. What did you study at university? I didn't actually study graphic design um, specifically. I I did an art foundation course, which is quite common in creative industry. You do that for a year before you go into university, and I, and I did that to sort of help guide myself really because you, you get to explore all different types of media uh, design creative at school I was always I always loved to draw and paint to make things with my hands all those sorts of things and an art foundation sort of led me to a point where actually I quite liked the world of 2D and 3D design, which was weird because I mean, I'm not a product designer or, or destined for just sort of graphics necessarily. I think a lot of people don't actually go on to do what they studied at university. I think it's actually quite rare to find someone that did, maybe. So I don't think you're you know, a strange breed. <laughs> that's very kind of you to say I, I personally quite like paths that aren't necessarily straight I think you learn a lot from taking those little turns in life and exploring different avenues and if nothing else you know you find out what you know that you chose the right one because the other one you, you tried out maybe wasn't for you so so you feel good about moving forward but I actually did packaging design as a degree oh, wow. yeah it's, it sort of feels even still quite niche to talk about that you know in, in a way a long story short what what I loved about that was actually learning about the brands behind the products and the packaging more so than the packaging itself because that changed quite a lot and and, and the brands felt more important you know they, they always had a mission and you know values behind them and, and a bit of an ambition hopefully you know some of them stood for something and some of them inspired me so I thought you know that that's really what I want to get into. I want to get into the brands behind all these things and, and you know, take things from there. Can you tell us about any of the, the brands that maybe stood out for you when you were developing the packaging? We had various briefs that were set at university that, that were quite self-initiated. So you, you often would come up with your own brand. You know, one of those that, that I came up with was this idea of a car sharing brand that, that sort of took took the pressure off the commute for, for Londoners and, and the like. And it also made use of locations of, of sort of old buildings that were no longer in use. So they create these sort of local carpools where you know, you'd rock up early in the morning, you, you might grab a car if you needed to commute somewhere or or swap your car and you use their electric vehicles. You, they'd also give you breakfast and lunch as, as part of that. So you're kind of all set for the day. I solved loads of problems in that in that make You did. Project. I mean, every problem you faced solved. <laughs> yeah, it's quite good because I, I sort of found myself wanting to do these kind of, the bigger the problem and the bigger the solution, the more it kind of excited me. So I was quite driven by problem solving, I, I think, which realistically you can't always set out to solve the world's problems in every project but you know occasionally you might get the opportunity to do do some good but also generally from a you know practical everyday commercial needs businesses 
have problems to solve. And that's 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 all about what I do with brands, you know, help, helping brands with their challenges or become stronger and, and better. So it all sort of started there, just looking at what, what's the challenge, what's, what's the issue behind where people want to go. I love that. And I think that kind of segues us nicely into the sort of topic of the rebranding of Bright. You obviously work really closely with Vic and the team about how, you know, how to basically take Bright to the next level of their rebranding process. So, you know, how do you approach a project like that when it's already, you know, it started, maybe it's got some of the bare bones but they just want to take it further I mean what are the first steps it's really simple actually how how I start this and it's it's probably quite obvious so I'll, I'll just state that obvious which is well it might not be obvious because I, I don't think everybody listening might be in that sort of creative brain so feel free to layman's terms us. No, that's cool no it's uh, that, that's the only <laughs> way I speak really is layman's it's quite good for, uh, just so I can understand myself the first step really is to, is to meet with the client and talk about their business and their challenges set aside a nice bit of time for, for that and Go, go through everything and, and you know everyone's different every project's different every business is different so they, they might like to start with the brief right out in front of them or or they might not have a brief at all you know and, and you help them get to one that works so I think through that discussion you know you, you start building a relationship you start building trust you know you, you, you volunteer directions opportunities of where things could go recommendations and, and I think along the way you know you, kind of, you challenge and question but in the ambition of discovering things that could be I don't hidden or or could be elevated or moved around ultimately valuable things because quite often I guess some people don't quite know what they want perhaps or they just want somebody who's done this before and is professional to guide them so I think yeah I think a lot of people might go into that process being like it's not quite right but we're not quite sure what we need to do so is that quite hard to sometimes kind of translate almost what someone's asking when they don't really know themselves I don't think it's hard because like you say I think it's it's quite a it can be quite a common thing and that's that's absolutely no problem at all because I don't, I don't expect anyone to sort of be perfect or anything to be perfect and it you know it probably shouldn't and I think it's part of my job is is to help my clients really in any way with what they need and part of that could just be helping them with the brief and I think actually sometimes it can work out better because I'm there at a much earlier stage helping you know shape that point shape shape what their challenge is with them and and that leads to a better answer I think. So I think like from projects that I've worked on before I kind of found that if the designer and the client's viewpoints are aligned at the beginning it makes the project a lot easier so if you can can you give the audience um, any tips for briefing a designer and basically I suppose more importantly what to avoid doing and you know what to do to make sure that you're both on the same page right from the beginning yeah uh, absolutely I think the most important thing above all is is just to simply be clear and I think you know there's there's a couple of different ways I think there's there's how I might brief a designer and how a client might brief a designer and if we're talking about a written brief then I think the challenge there is to challenge yourself to be concise because it what, what that does is demonstrate how well you yourself understand your own project and a good way to test that out is to try and fit that whole brief onto one page and if you can do that and it feels good then then you're on the right track and I think if it doesn't feel 100% clear then it's always best to go back and work out why that is you know is it is it your knowledge of it is it someone that's handed it down to you and not really explained something that's interesting because I think that a lot of people will try and pack it with detail so you're saying actually kind of maybe less detail but just be more concise and so what should be on that page 
Say, say you were kind of approaching a rebrand, what would you say is that really key to have on that page for you? If it's a rebrand, obviously there will be a lot more questions and answers beyond the page of the brief. But the best bits there are firstly, you know, let, let's make the assumption the, the person reading this brief doesn't really know much about the background. So a very quick intro, that who the company is, what their challenge is, and this possibly isn't in the right order, but things like, you know, how much time do we have? What's the deadline here? Who are we talking to? What's the audience? Is it internal? Is it external? Is it both? Should I know that if it's an external audience, is there a certain type of audience within there, a certain age group or or what have you? So uh, things like that all shape how we need to communicate, I think. And so I've always quite liked this saying is is having the freedom of a type brief is quite nice because weirdly it feels like creativity should be better if it's more open, but it's not always the case, interestingly. And I think knowing what the challenge is helps you, you really pinpoint more meaningful answers. I like that. That's a good quote. And have you had many instances where, you know, you, you feel like you've got down the line a bit and, you know, maybe a client has strayed from the brief and that causes issues? Like how do you pull it back from there? Do you just have to revisit that brief or how, how do you safeguard that? I think a good brief is, is something that you can always return to uh, and measure against the objectives that were set out. So, I think, you know, in the example of sharing your first round of creative, let's say, where you're demonstrating how you're solving these challenges, how you're measuring those ideas, I think if there's any discussion that's, that feels like it's, I don't know, if it's going to get out of control or, or it needs measuring, then I think that's what the brief does. It You, you go back to the brief and it helps keep people on, on, on track a little bit. And I think what's also important is to share the brief with everyone who, who's going to be have a point of view on this, so, so stakeholders, in other words. And it's good to tell the designer or, or studio or agency, whatever whoever they might be, who those stakeholders are, because everyone needs to be on the same page and, and those stakeholders need to know what the brief is. Otherwise, they'll come at it going, well, I thought we could do that, or I thought we were going to do a book rather than a website or something. It, that does create a bit of a rebrief situation, which if you're not careful, means you have to start again. But I think doing that little bit up front saves everyone a lot of time and complexity. Definitely. And I've been in a situation before which um, was really difficult when I was at an old job and we'd worked so hard on a, on a website with a designer and everybody was so pleased with it. And then the CEO walked in one day and this was at the point where we were almost in development and he just announced, you know, like, no, I don't like that colour or you know and I was like oh my god like we've spoken about this for months and it was so frustrating and then obviously the designer got frustrated because that was not the time to be talking about colours and you know it was just a mess and it was because he hadn't been involved right from the beginning and if he had have done you know he would have been able to have his say then so I can imagine that would be incredibly frustrating and I I think that's why I always think that I don't know if I could do something like that in that role because I couldn't handle someone coming in and, and being so kind of subjective about it but yeah, it's a, it's a tough, tough thing to manage, I guess. It can be. And I think, you know, sometimes that can be quite satisfying because I like to think everything's got a solution. So if you end up in a sticky position, it's lovely to help everyone get through that no matter what it is. And you feel good and everyone feels like they've moved forward. I think it's interesting what you say about the subjectivity element because that's that's a forever challenge, really. But but in a way, it doesn't need to be if, if you structure things in the right way. And I try incredibly hard to make things more objective than subjective. Objective. So that means when I'm coming back with my ideas, my thinking, my recommendations, I've, I've got a strong rationale for why I've done that. Even even down to something very simple like colour or typography or, or type of message, you know, there's 
there's always a reason why that connects to the brand or why that's right for what we're doing. Or the color could be as simple as it's one that stands out. That's just not like your competitors who who are all doing the same thing. And I think you'll be noticed because of this. And also it's a warm color, which feels positive. I don't know. These are just things off the top of my head, off the cuff. But It perhaps comes down to the trust as well between the client and the designer. I mean, they need to have trust that you have had all that thought process because at the end of the day they've employed you to do that thinking and to have that knowledge of what works so I guess some part of it they have to let go a little bit and allow you to do that part of your job trust is is, is really important so that's that's where you kind of you know always want to make sure that you're offering up these solutions and sharing your thinking and, and helping to some people they might be a bit hesitant to challenge but but that's and it sounds like quite a big strong word but you know if you don't think the brief's quite right there's a way to make it better then it's great to share that because that's the value you're offering your client they're paying you to help push their business you know to help better everything so so to be in a position of trust and and you know demonstrate your intelligence that's that's great that that helps everyone i think yeah, I think that challenging actually always seems to go down well because it shows A, that you care enough to challenge it and B, that you have the knowledge and the education and the, the experience to challenge it if you don't think it's right. So I think it actually makes people feel more secure going forward, in my experience anyway. So are there any brands outside of Bright, of course, that you admire and would love to get your hands on? The answer is there are many. And I think it's something that's shifted with with experience as well. You know, I think back in the day, year one, it's it's all the sort of flashy names that that you want to get your hands on and whatever that might be that you're into at the time and you know I, I guess there's a lot of people would say at that point you know Nike or something like that or or whatnot and and I think those those sorts of brands can be super attractive I've worked with like I said, a lot of brands of different shapes and sizes and I think there's an interesting sort of world behind the scenes as well and I think with the with the world sort of constantly moving and shifting my interest has changed to things that for me create a new challenge or challenge me or, or even just a a type of business rather than a brand name so I love challenges everyone's different and for example startups you know they can be super exciting because they're so new and the people behind them are so enthusiastic and and they've got this real ambition to make this work you know business is, is possibly harder than ever if they've got a good idea and they've had to work hard at that idea to you know, make it a feasible one in a crowded marketplace in many areas, then it's a lovely thing to get on board with, you know, share their passion and share that, that ambition and work with them to get their business in, into you know, reality and, and see people buy it and interact with it. And, and that's great. Yeah, I guess that's really exciting to be you know, involved right at the beginning and to be really part of how that brand looks and feels and you know, comes across. I think I can definitely see why that would appeal more than maybe a more established brand. I I love those as well. I think it's it's just it's what's quite nice is having a bit of a varied diet. So, you know, I love the established brands because they are just that. They've they've got an audience, they've got a business and things are successful and and you you know, you want to help build on that story and, you know, move into the future and, and their next ambition might be now I want to be the best in the UK. So so everyone's got an ambition to go to and, and I love that drive. The interesting thing about startups now more than ever is that they can come out of nowhere and take over the world in a few years. And that's quite a bonkers thing to get your head around how that's managed and how that's 
pulls off. You know, it starts with a great idea and that's what I love about it. Are there any projects or is there a, a specific project that you've worked on that you felt really pushed your creative boundaries? I worked on this brand campaign for, for Vodafone where I led the creation of, of this campaign and, and it was going to appear on London taxis. So it was the biggest campaign of its kind in the UK. And the idea that, that I came up with involved a typographic map of London. So that covered the entire taxi. So there's 2,000 street names which had to be typeset in a, in a particular typeface and all from scratch as well. So I didn't have a purchased map. I could quickly just stick on there. It was rearranging these things to to suit the design that me and the team had in our head, making sure everything's geographically correct as well, because someone's going to pick you up on something that's not quite right. Be honest, did you did you start that and feel like, what have I got myself into? Yes, definitely. Immediately, yeah. As soon as the client went, that one, we have to have that one. Uh, are you sure? Uh, it did involve actually coming in at the weekend, staying quite late, because I became quite obsessive about making sure it was exactly right, you know, and... and I bet you've got a really good knowledge of London now. Oh, God, I can't get it out of my brain. It will close my eyes. It's still there. I'm glad that it went well because, you know, this this thing was was on about a 1,000 taxis. It was on for a, a year. So if there are any spelling mistakes, that would have been pretty haunting, I think. And each each taxi cab took six hours to wrap, you know, so times a 1,000, that's quite a lot. And and thankfully, I didn't have to do the vinyl wrapping. Oh, gosh. That's fascinating, though. I love, I love the idea of it. It's, it's quite funny. And I got to drive one of the cabs which was which was a nice highlight and you know those are the funny little quirks that pop up every now and again working with different companies different industries I get to experience these sort of weird things and another thing that popped up was the cab was used in a, a TV ad for Vodafone and it featured Yoda in the back seat he was using the, the the phone chargers that were part of the idea that were installed in the cabs to charge his lightsaber yeah couldn't have been more proud at that point Amazing. Well, we'll have to we'll have to share a picture of the cab in the blog post when we publish this podcast. I think everyone's going to be desperate to see it now, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's great. And yeah, another another project took me to to Nigeria, which was quite an interesting experience as well. And and that was possibly a place that I I may not have chosen to go on holiday. So it was through work that, that I was able to experience that sort of thing. And yeah, I stayed there for sort of about eight days, getting getting involved in the around there and flying to the capital as well and and seeing the difference between sort of quite busy city and a, and a sort of calmer setting as well in Nigeria and you know it's soaking up everything going popping out to restaurants you know going for, for drinks with the client and that sort of thing and, you know really getting inside it all and uh, I remember one morning it was quite surreal where we, we were flying to the capital we were driving to the airport but we had police escort for for some reason, I think possibly to look after the client. So, so we were zooming along the motorway with blue lights at five in the morning. And I was like, I, did, I thought it was a dream. It's so weird. That does sound crazy. Not your average day in the office. Right? No, definitely not. Definitely not. So, uh, yeah, I think I think that's what's fun about experiences. It sort of it builds you, you know, you collect all these little things and you see, you see lots of things that actually, you know, sometimes a lot later down the line, they pop up and they become really useful. Very exciting. That's amazing. I love it. And so... Where do you get your inspiration from as an extension of that? I mean, you obviously do pick up a lot of things along the way in your experience, in your work, but are there any online resources that you could recommend to other designers that really help to spark inspiration for you? Yeah, I think what's great is that there's so many now. I think I always sort of think back to, again, that sort of day one where there might have been like one good website that, that you looked at, but, you know, in this, in this short space of time, it's it's really ramped up and you, you've got everything from 
from big companies, you know, saying what, what they think is cool to people on their own leading the way as well. And, you know, before I sort of name a few online things, I, I quite like, shame about the lockdown, of course, because you, you're possibly less outdoors than you were, but you know, I'd get a lot of inspiration just from walking around and being outside. And especially in, in Brighton, there's lots of lovely things to see. And, you know, a little walk through the lanes, can you, you can discover new things every day. And, you know, chatting with people, so peers or friends that I know is great. What are they up to? You know, because they might be working on something behind the scenes that sounds amazing. You, you might not see for a while, or you may never see it because that's the sort of reality of some things. Um, things I see on TV if, as, as well. I find Brighton Glug Talks, a great source of inspiration too and and they're always quite a fun event you know you get to sort of relax a bit of a beer and enjoy hearing someone new you might not know or you might always wanted to have heard and know more about what they do and you can catch up with industry peers and friends at those too so website wise online wise i think you know there's a few classic ones you know it's nice that identity designed brand new by under consideration and i think also you might choose to to know more about things more specific to what you specialize in or you might like to just go a bit broader and i think following people and companies on you know their social channels is is a pretty good way to stay up to date I was going to ask if you are on Instagram and, and do you follow people on that? Is that helpful to you? Or? Absolutely, yeah, I think it is. And and what's nice is you can stay in touch with your clients better as well on those, but also gain inspiration from other companies you follow and people as well. You know, there's there's so many people, talented people out there, whether they're animators, illustrators, clothing designers, interior designers. I love all, all aspects of design. And, and sometimes it's just as inspiring to see a fantastic new interior space as it is it might be to see a, a great new brand for something that's really disruptive and so it always sort of feels like good brain food so you touched upon lockdown and although I think everyone's got lockdown fatigue we don't even want to talk about it anymore but we've been talking quite a lot just amongst friends and colleagues is a feeling of maybe losing a bit of creativity during this time because like you said we can't get out so much and not so much maybe is happening you know how has that affected you have you felt more or less creative or you know what's the difference well, the big difference is is really not being able to sort of meet your clients face to face. It's just different. You know, we've all quickly adapted and I think everyone's done a super job jumping onto all the long list of video sharing things. And each one every day seems to be a different one with everyone going, oh, I just got to reset my computer. Hang on, can you hear me? I don't think those channels were quite ready for us to, to all jump on at once. But I, I think you don't have to always meet people face to face. But, you know, it's good, like I said, with all things to have a nice bit of variety and popping into an office, you know, the little walk to and from and, and just like seeing your client. Is, is is all a lovely thing and you can gain a lot from that so i think that's a, a, a challenge you, you've got a bit of distance there but i think in terms of creativity you know again you're you're still working on the same briefs same projects perhaps the channels change to, to suit the time you, you've always got the brief and your client there to help push creativity as well you've, you've got yourself to push creativity and sometimes you might need to just well if you're on your own and, and you're used to a bit more directional steer then and it's not easy just tr- trying to find a way to be your own creative director so to be able to give yourself a bit of perspective and step back from what you're doing for a moment just to see the bigger picture so I think you know it's very easy to be really really hard on yourself when you're in isolation and and, and actually what you're doing is, is probably pretty good and it's probably the answer but but you're just 
you know, you, you haven't got the other people around you to kind of go, it's, yeah, that's brilliant. Let's do that. Yeah, the validation is missing, isn't it, sometimes? I think so. So, and again, this is something that can come with experience. I think it's possibly harder when you're a bit newer to the industry because you haven't necessarily worked up to the role of creative director. And I think if you've had a chance to do that, you already know what being creative director is like and, and you know what to look out for. You know when you're starting to slow down or, or something might dry up a little bit. The key to solving that problem is to is to notice it as quickly as possible, recognize it, because then you can work to fixing it. And I think with decent experience, you can clock that quite quickly. And solving it can be as simple as just get away from the computer or or, or whatever you're doing, the brainstorm or just go for a walk, have a cup of tea, depending on how much time you have. Have a cup of tea. That is the most British answer <laughs> to anything. Isn't it? Yeah. No creativity, have a cup of tea. Sometimes 10 in a row is quite useful as well, depending on... (laughs) Definitely get the brain uh, working a little bit faster. (laughs) Yeah, but it can be a simple thing that has a big impact. And I think it's sometimes the the danger is that you find yourself in a hard situation, the pressure builds up and you push even harder. You know, that's, that's a good way to sort of break something, really. And I think... It's easy to say that because people might go, well, I've got to solve it. I've only got an hour. You know, take five minutes of that hour. It's going to be worth it because if you spend another hour going in the wrong direction, you are in trouble. Absolutely. And I feel like that's a good kind of message to finish on, really, because it's, uh, you know, with with anything and especially creativity is... It doesn't always work to plan and it doesn't work under pressure. So taking a bit of time out, especially at the moment when there is so much pressure, can really be the key. Thank you so much, Tom. That was absolutely fascinating to get inside your creative brain. It sounds like there's lots lots going on and, and what's really nice is that you're so enthused by it and actually that makes me feel really enthused. <laughs> oh, well that's fantastic, that's fantastic to hear thank you, it's been an absolute pleasure And so for everybody listening that might want to see some of your work or get in contact with you, can you let them know how to find you? Uh, the first port of call I think would be my website which is Studio Evoke .co.uk, all one word. But I've also got my social channels. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. So that's at studio underscore evoke. And uh, there's, there's a few ways to see or, or, you know, drop me an email. I'm tom at studioevoke.co.uk. I'll be happy to chat over the phone too. So always here. Awesome. Yeah. So we'll link everything there. So thank you so much, Tom, and have a lovely rest of your day. Pleasure. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Please remember to subscribe to ensure you never miss an episode. You can find out more top tips from the Bright team on our website at bright-interactive.co.uk.